Hi, this is What You Say in English, Season 3, Episode 36. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of What You Say in English. I'm your host, Frank, and today I have a fascinating episode lined up for you. I'm going to delve into the English language journey of a remarkable actor, Javier Bardem. He was born in Spain's Canary Islands. Bardem hails from a family deeply rooted in the world of acting and directing. Despite his initial love for painting, Bardem was drawn into the acting world where he began turning heads with his powerful performances. His acting chops have been honed through collaborations with some of the greatest pioneers in modern cinema, such as the Coen brothers, Terence Malick, Asghar Farhadi, and Denis Villeneuve. Bardem's first foray into English cinema was with the film Before Nightfall, but his English language skills were not just a result of his acting career. Bardem insists that his English language proficiency was significantly influenced by his love for heavy metal music and rock music. He credits the band ACDC for teaching him English, stating that he learned how to swear in English by listening to their music. But how effective is learning English through music? Well, science seems to back up Bardem's method. Research shows that listening to music in English can indeed aid in language learning. A study found that students who listened to music in English improved their understanding of lyrics in the target language. Another study found that students learned and memorized English language words significantly better when accompanied by soft music. So whether you're an inspiring actor or just looking for some way to improve your English, it seems to be that tuning into some English music might be a good strategy. Although I would like to make an episode about how we can learn English through music, I will try to delve deeper into Bardem's English language journey and explore how he learned English and the incredible things that he does in English. Stay tuned. In this first segment, I would like to focus on Javier Bardem's English language skills, you know, the remarkable actor. And I would like to analyze a clip, it's a very short clip, by the way, from an interview he did with Charlie Rose for the PBS, alongside director Julian Schnabel, for the film Before Nightfalls. Remember that this was a very controversial film of a Cuban author and writer. You know, all the political connotations, and very delicate and very controversial topics, especially when it comes to Reynaldo Arenas' uh, own sexuality. But of course, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Javier Bardem's English skills. And I would like to start discussing a few things about him. But first, let's take a listen to the extract from that interview. I chose, of course, a segment in which 
Bardem spoke for a for an extended time, and I would like you to pay attention to how he uses English. Let's take a listen. There's this brilliant performance to get all these nominations because you were just naturally a gifted actor, or was it because this was such brilliant directing oh, in this case? I, I guess, well, uh, first of all, he's a great director and a great human being, which is much important, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's the role in itself. Uh, you need a, an actor to play that role, but if the role is like Reynaldo Arenas, it's easy to do it, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Now, you were a big star in Spain. When, when he came to you to do this, I mean, was it something you left at? Did you say yes because... Well, first I refused. Yes, uh, first he offered me the role of uh, Lazaro, who's played by Leonardo Martinez, and, and I liked it. Uh, two weeks later, he called me at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Uh, New York, uh, I mean, Spanish time. <laughs> and like, he offered me Rinaldo Lorena's role, and I refused because I thought it was too big for me. And, uh, too many things uh, difficult for me. Language, give an accent. And doing, and the most difficult of all, uh, doing a person who really existed. And that's, yeah. I haven't done that before. Uh, it's another way of approaching a, a role. Bardem's responses are really well-structured and logical. He directly addresses Charlie Rose's questions and provides additional context and details. I think his use of chronological structures, like starting with the initial offer, his initial refusal, the subsequent offer, and his reasons for refusing the second time, helps us follow his thought process. I think it's super clear. In terms of grammar, Bardem's usage is generally accurate, with minor errors that do not really impede understanding. For example, when he says this, I'm doing, and the most difficult of all, uh, doing a person who really existed. Where a native speaker might say probably portraying a person who really existed. I think it would be more clear in terms of really understanding what he meant. I think it would be... A, Uh, to me, honestly, it sounds a little funny to say doing a person because it has other connotations that I would, I would not like to speak about here in the podcast. This is a clean podcast, by the way. But I would say that portraying would be a better choice of expression. Now, in terms of his vocabulary, I think it's quite advanced. He uses a variety of words and phrases to express his thoughts in, you know, such as offered, refused and approaching a role. I would say that approaching a role was a very smart choice. And this variety contributes to his richness in the f uh, full capacity of extending on his responses. Take into consideration that this was an interview back in 2001. And before this, Javier hadn't done anything in terms of acting in English. I can't say for sure, of course. In the beginning, I told you that he had... Uh, ACDC as teachers, as English teachers, but I cannot tell you for sure if Javier Bardem learned how to speak English from high school, which which was probably one of his, one of the things that he had to do, or he took classes. I would say that apart from listening to music in English, he took classes because I think he was also thinking about his future in other markets, like in the United States, for example. When it comes to pronunciation, Javier Bardem handles the ed ending in words a little bit inconsistently. I'm not saying that he should be more uh, open when it comes to the ed endings, you know, the past tenses, the regular verb past tenses. But sometimes it's clear as when he says this. And, and I liked it. And other times it's a little less audible, such as this. Two weeks later he called me at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. And this. 
And he offered me Reynaldo Arena's role, and I refused because I thought it was too big for me. Obviously, in these cases, he called me, he offered me, I refused. Even native speakers tend to reduce the ED ending quite a lot. And sometimes it's understood more by context, basically, than really pronunciation. I think the brain in in those situations, they can be, uh, bridge the gap between the ED pronunciation and what the person really said. I think it's not much of a problem, to be honest, but I think that sometimes he could emphasize a little bit better. I think the context helps a lot here, and it's not it doesn't become a problem in, in terms of understanding and communication. So I'm not saying that he should, but I think he could improve in this regard. And this inconsistency is quite common among non-native speakers of English. Also, his pronunciation of this, And doing on the most difficult of all. Sounds more like an F. And this is a very common situation that happens in my classes. I mean, it's inevitable. And quite honestly, I don't have a problem with it. But it, it sounds a little bit off. I mean, off O-F-F. -F. <laughs> Not really. The, the only one F, for example, when you say, I'm thinking of you, it, we don't actually pronounce it as an F. We pronounce it as a V sound. And this is this usually comes as a shocker for a lot of people. So when you say first of all, it's a vowel. It's a V sound, not an F sound. But you know, it's it's common. And quite honestly, it doesn't really impede communication. When you say first of all, if you say first of all, for example, with an F sound, I think it's fine. Um, and honestly, I don't have any problem. I think it's part of the charm of having an accent when you have an accent in in English. But, you know, if you want to get a little more, I would say, nitpicky about that pronunciation, that particular pronunciation, I would say that you have to pronounce the V. And this definitely suggests the typical difficulty of the V sound that is quite common among native speakers of Spanish, as this sound does not really exist in Spanish. I mean, I know a lot of people, especially in Latin America, a lot of people like to pronounce the V sound. But I think it's more of hypercorrection, to be honest. And if you study the language, if you study the Spanish language and the phonetic transcriptions of Spanish language, you would notice that the, the V and the B sound, I mean, we don't have that V sound in Spanish. Actually, there's a very old joke in Latin, in Latin, I mean, that goes back to the Roman times in which people from the Roman Empire actually mocked Spanish speakers because of that lack of pronunciation of the V sound, because I cannot recall exactly the, the phrase, but it's something like, for Spanish people, drinking is the same as living. So, vivere and vivere sound exactly the same in for Spanish speaker. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this is probably like 2,000 years ago. So I don't think that in the Iberian Peninsula, the V sound survived or actually thrived to become part of the phonetic repertoire of Spanish speakers. Despite these issues, which I would definitely call minor, Bardem's English skills are incredible. He's highly fluent. He does not hesitate much during his response, indicating a high level of comfort With the language. And this is, I'm telling you, this was in 2001. So he must have been speaking English for quite a long time before that, even though it was the first role he had in English. And, and 
thinking about the movie was originally filmed in English. Of course, he had to learn the lines, but uh, the film was originally uh, spoken in English. I mean, he he delivered his lines in English. And then uh, for the Spanish uh, audiences, the movie was dubbed in Spanish. Of course, Javier did his own dubbing. And, you know, challenging was, as he said, the Cuban accent, because he had to do the Cuban accent, which I think he did really well, by the way. I've, I've seen the film, and it's a great, great performance, as always, because Javier is an incredible performer. But when he when he makes bosses in his responses, um, it seems to be more of for thought organization rather than searching for the right words. And this is the two types of hesitation that you would have to pay attention to. If you're hesitating because you're looking for ideas, what to say, which has to do more with your brain functions and the way you process information than actually looking for words. And one point of interest in Bardem's use of the present perfect. I mean, in the last part, he said this. Um, that's, I haven't done that before. And given that he had already played the role at the time of the interview, uh, the past tense, I hadn't done that before, would have been more appropriate. However, in casual conversation, especially in a second language, it's not uncommon for people to use the present perfect instead of the past perfect. Overall, I would have to say that Bardem's English language skills are impressive, even in this first interview that I, I was able to find. I couldn't find anything else on YouTube, but his fluency, vocabulary, and ability to express complex thoughts in English make him an excellent role model for Spanish speakers learning English. Still, he has other moments in later in his career when where he speaks English, and he still lacks a little bit of control. But I'll leave that for the following segments. Stay tuned. This following clip I chose, I actually, I have used it several times in my classes because it's incredible because of the variety of features that I can analyze from Javier Bardem's English skills. And I've used it basically to teach reported speech. It's a great way to practice reporting verbs and using past tenses and changing tenses and whatnot. It's incredible. And I love it because it's very, he's a good sport. I think it shows the real Javier Bardem, the real person who's really nice and kind and honorable and, and such a good person. You will be able to find this interview on YouTube as part of the British GQ magazine. And it's titled Fake News with Javier Bardem. And the nature of the interview is that you have to watch it because as an audio listening activity is not really good because you have to see when he says something which is not true about himself and something which is true about himself. You can see a green lamp light up whenever he says something that is true and a red lamp lighting up when he says something that is not true. And it's funny. I think it's really funny. First, we're going to listen to the whole clip and then I'm going to analyze a few things, especially when it comes to grammatical control. And I think that's a little bit of what comes really difficult for non-native speakers of English because 
controlling the grammar sometimes is a little tricky, especially when you have to embed and you have to put multiple layers of sentences together. And also wonderful things that he does with pronunciation, which you will see. First, let's take a listen to the whole clip. Hello, I am Javier Bardem, and I'm here to answer you fake questions about my real life, because I don't want you to know what is real and what is not. <laughs> the music that brings tears to my eye is trash metal. Rolling thunder, pan on rain, coming down like a hurricane. My life is rushing across the sky. You're only young, but you're gonna die. What clothing looks ridiculous on me? I guess high heels. I wear high heels at least once per month, and they don't look good on me, but it's fun. Meryl Streep is coming for dinner. What do I cook for her? Oh my God. Uh, I don't know, what do a goddess eat? A cake. I don't know, it comes to me, the idea of a cake with a kind of a cloud, clouds of sugar. What scares me? Big gorillas in jungle. And that scares the shit out of me. My house is burning down and I'm allowed to take one item. A toothbrush. If I wasn't acting, what would I be doing? I would be a banker. I love banks. I love working in a bank, really teasing people and, 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 and stealing their money. Who's the baddest bad guy in the film history, in the whole film history? Uh, a group of psychiatrists have declared that my character in No Country for All Men, Anton Sugar, was the most psychopath of them all. So I'm so happy. <laughs> the first band I saw in concert was uh, Jimi Hendrix back in the 60s. I wasn't born, but my mom was there, and I was in, there in her boom, and, and I loved it. I mean, really crazy. And this was a clip from another interview, of course, as I said in the beginning, with Javier Bardem. The interview is called Fake News with Javier Bardem, GQ cover stars, British GQ. It's the GQ magazine for the British edition. So you can find the video. It's, it's actually quite fun to see, to watch. You can find it on YouTube with that name, Fake News with Javier Bardem. And in this case, Javier does an incredible job. He humorously answers some hypothetical questions about his life. And I would like to analyze his language skills in this context. I would say that his responses are well-structured and logical. He directly addresses the hypothetical questions and provides additional context and details. His use of humor and self-deprecation adds a layer of personality to his discourse, which is something incredibly difficult to do in another language. It, of course, makes his responses engaging and quite relatable. In terms of grammar, Bardem's usage is generally accurate, with minor errors that do not really impede understanding. For example, when he says this, Oh my God, uh... I don't know, what do a goddess eat? A native speaker would likely say, what does a goddess eat? There are also instances of awkward phrasing, such as this one, right by the end of the clip. The first band I saw in concert was uh, Jimi Hendrix, back in the 60s. I wasn't born, but my mom was there. I wasn't born. And in this case, a more accurate phrase would be, I hadn't even been born. 
because it's an action that happened before another action in the past. Actually, to say I wasn't born is very awkward and very strange. It would never be possible to say it in English. Let's also look at these phrases. In this first case, take a listen. Then, and I'm here to answer you fake questions about my real life. The music that brings tears to my eye is trash metal. Big gorillas in jungle. These sentences are grammatically incorrect and awkwardly phrased. The correct versions would be, for example, for the first one, it would be, I'm here to answer your fake questions about my real life, even though I would probably change the the word questions like fake news it's because that's the title of the video i think it's more like fake news more re really rather than fake questions i mean questions by by nature are not really fake questions i mean you would say fake answers yes but fake questions sounds a little bit awkward i would say fake news about my real life also for the second one i would probably change only to say it in plural eyes Instead of saying what he said, he could have said, the music that brings tears to my eyes is thrash metal. Of course, if, if he only had one eye, I would definitely accept the sentence as accurate. And the last one is big gorillas in the jungle. I think he missed the article. Instead of saying big gorillas in jungle, I would say in the jungle. However... These minor errors are understandable given the spontaneous nature of the conversation. And quite honestly, I don't think they significantly impact the overall clarity of his message. His vocabulary is actually quite advanced and varied. He uses a range of words and phrases to express his thoughts, such as, for example, clouds of sugar. I would say that's a very metaphorical use of the expression, and I think it's very evocative, I would have to say, and also the word psychopath, which was used perfectly well. This variety contributes to the richness of his response and demonstrates his command of the English vocabulary. When it comes to pronunciation, Bardem's pronunciation is generally clear, but there are a few instances where his non-native speaker status is apparent. For example, when he pronounces pouring, when he quotes ACDC, take a listen. Rolling thunder, pardon of rain, coming down like a hurricane. It sounds more like parring, parring. So the way he pronounced the vowels, in this case is pouring, he sounded it more like parring. And of course, when he, by the end, when he talked about Jimi Hendrix, he had a little bit of difficulty with the word womb. It sounded more like boom. Take a listen. And I was in, there in her womb. In her womb. And this is a very common trait in Spain. They usually have problems with the beginning W. That W sound in the beginning of words is a little bit problematic. It's, it, it's quite difficult for them to realize to, to do in terms of articulation. Uh, I'm talking about articulation in the mouth. However, his pronunciation of this, take a listen. Uh, a group of psychiatrists have declared. He said the word psychiatrists perfectly well. He actually pronounced the consonant cluster STS like a master. Psychiatrists. And the ED ending, take a listen. And, and I loved it. Is perfectly clear. 
and it, it indicates that he can produce these sounds accurately when he focuses on them. I think he has an incredible awareness. And of course, there are other words that when he tries to speak with more fluency, of course, I mean, it, it's like a faux pas that, that his brain plays on the way he articulates the sounds. But I think he has an incredible capacity to realize how he produces the language. And despite these minor issues, I think Berdam's English is very fluent. He does not hesitate much during his response, indicating, of course, a high level of comfort, as I said before. When he pauses, again, it's, you know, for thought organization rather than searching for the right words. And again, his language skills continue to impress. His fluency, his vocabulary, and ability to express complex thoughts in English make him an incredible role model. This is the kind of level that you would have to think about and, and the role model that you would, you should follow. I think, without the shadow of doubt, I would probably put, uh, place his uh, language skills in the range of the C1 advanced. I think he has some peaks at moments when he uh, says phrases and sentences that are more for C2. So he has a kind of, uh, I would say, fluid C1 with a, a few sparks of C2 in his English production. I think it's an incredible person to analyze because I think he's very conscious about the things he says and he measures the words that he wants to say. In the last segment, the following one, I will analyze the clip that made me choose this episode to, you know, to speak about Javier Bardem. It's a clip that I got from TikTok and one of my followers on TikTok uh, tagged me in one of his comments and he wanted me to do an analysis only based on that clip alone. And I thought it was really interesting. And of course, having heard, having listened to Javier Bardem speaking English before and having already uh, an idea about how he produces, how he, how he speaks English, I thought it was about time that I did an episode about, you know, with him. Uh, of course, I, I didn't have him as a person. I would have lots of, lots of questions about how he learned English. I think it's a, it would be a very inter interesting process for a lot of people to uh, imitate. So in the following segment, I will analyze the last part, and it's a conversation that he's got with Conan O'Brien in his podcast, and he talks about Al Pacino. So stay tuned. In the last segment, we're going to listen again to Javier Bardem. As I said in the previous segment, this was part of a conversation with Conan O'Brien in his podcast. And there are more people present. It's a, actually a very funny interview. I'm not going to play the whole part, the whole segment, because they use a lot of adult expressions that this is a clean podcast, people, and I just want to keep it that way. But I think in one of the segments, when he talks about Al Pacino and how he had a celebrity crush on him, and how he's experienced the moment when he met him and the message that he left in his answering machine. And I think it's 
very endearing. It's a beautiful anecdote. And I think it's a very interesting segment to analyze as well. So this part of the, today's podcast goes to my listener, to my follower on TikTok. I think his name is Edgar. He asks lots of interesting questions. The last TikTok video that I posted was because of him, because he asked about Beowulf and how much of old English still survives in, in today's modern English. So I'm going to play, I think I'm going to play when it starts with the question by Conan O'Brien and then the full answer by Javier Bardem. Take a listen. Who have been the people that you've met when you uh, achieved this level where you go into these premieres, you're going to these places and there's an actor that you idolized and they look at you and they're excited to see you when they come over. Do you have, there's anyone who pops for you where you think, oh my God. Well, I have Conan O'Brien. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. I mean, well, that was uh, a big moment for you, That yes. was a big moment for me and it's always <laughs> a big I mean, moment. Uh, okay, that's the peak, but what's yeah, near exactly. the peak? That's near the gods stuff. Now talking about humans, I will say Al Pacino. Yes, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. It's so funny. Al Pacino sent me a, a, a he, he called me after watching Before Night Falls, but it was two o'clock in the morning in Spain, and it was a time where there was a, a tape, a, a an answering machine with tape. Yeah, remember? Yeah. So I was sleeping. I was like, oh, who's calling? And then, and, hi, hi, Javier. It's Al, it's Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, and I couldn't get the phone. Like, Al Pacino is calling my home. I saw the movie. I liked it a lot. And <laughs> congratulations. I was like, and then I went and I played and I played it again and I played it again. And I have the tape. I have the tape. Yeah. So the first day I met him in Toronto Film Festival, I went to the to the to the toilet and I took a picture with a camera, no phones at the time of my, my face in the mirror because my face was like, I'm going to meet Al Pacino. And the good thing about it all is that he's he's such a wonderful man. Yes, yeah. So when you meet someone that you admire so much, you go, and he's even better uh, than you would imagine. So the clip you just heard came from this interview with Conan O'Brien where Bardem shares an amusing anecdote about meeting his celebrity crush, Al Pacino. And let's dissect Bardem's English language skills in this context. Bardem's storytelling ability is on full display in this anecdote. He follows the classic structure of setting the scene, describing the action, and revealing the outcome. He sets the scene by explaining how he was going to meet Al Pacino at the Toronto Film Festival. He describes the action by recounting his reaction to Al Pacino's phone call and their eventual meeting. Finally, he reveals the outcome by expressing his admiration for Al Pacino and how the experience exceeded his expectations. These are the qualities of a good anecdote, and if you want to become a great storyteller, you have to follow these. Remember that I did an episode quite a while ago, actually, I think it was in the first season of my show, in which I spoke about how to tell anecdotes. I used one anecdote with, I think it was in the show, the British show, with Graham Norton, and he had Will Smith as, as a guest. But in this case, Bardem also effectively used asides. I mean, I spoke about it when I gave feedback, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, one week ago, in which I had a C2 proficiency uh, mock exam, and I talked about asides, and these are extra comments. 
Javier Bardem signaled these by changes in intonation to provide additional context or comments. For example, when he says, no phones at the time, he was talking about carrying a camera because phones didn't have a camera back then. He uses a different intonation to indicate that this is an extra comment, not directly related to the main narrative. This is a great strategy, and I think it's a very proficient strategy when it comes to uh, speaking in English, and actually very appropriate for this kind of narrative. However, there are several instances where Bardem's grammar and vocabulary usage are not quite accurate. For example, when he says, who's calling, it's the moment when he picked up the phone. A proficient speaker of English would likely say, who is it? Or who's on the phone? But not really who's calling. I think it would, be, it would come up as abrupt and quite rude, actually. Like, who's calling? And it would be quite, quite uh, abrupt. He also says when he tells the audience, the people there present with him, he says, I play it again, I play it again, I play it again, when he played the recording. A more proficient speaker of English would say, I played it. And I know he can pronounce this ED sound, but using that tense, I think it would be more appropriate to use the past tense, more than the present tense. Additionally, he uses a phrase, I took a picture with a camera. I mean, when he goes to the toilet and he took a picture of himself in the mirror just to show his <laughs> face of incredulity when he was about to meet Al Pacino, he said, I took a picture with a camera, which it's not incorrect, but it's just a bit redundant since pictures are typically taken with a camera, of course. A really proficient speaker of English might simply say, I took a picture of myself or I took a picture. I think it would be a little bit redundant to say I, I took a picture with a camera, especially because he already said that he had a camera with him. Bardem also occasionally omits articles when he said, I met him in Toronto Film Festival. It's the moment when he talks about the moment when he met him, where a, a more a proficient advanced speaker would probably say, I met him at the Toronto Film Festival. So he made him, I mean, he obviously he said in uh, instead of at, and he omitted the article, the Toronto Film Festival. I think that's a just a lapse of control when it comes to grammatical range and accuracy. Uh, but it's understandable. I would say it's completely understandable in the case of telling an anecdote like this one. Because he's worried about organizing information, so his brain still needs to make a little bit of extra effort when it comes to controlling the grammar. He also uses the phrase, he's even better that you would imagine, just by the end, I mean at the very end of, of the clip, where a very proficient speaker of English would say, he's even better than you would imagine. But I would say that despite these errors, these minor issues, Bardem's command of English is commendable. His ability to express complex thoughts and emotions in a second language while maintaining his unique personality and humor is truly, truly remarkable. His storytelling skills in particular demonstrate his understanding of English discourse norms and his ability to engage with his audience. What else could you ask? I would say that Javier is a, a full package when it comes to English speaking skills. I think he's a no wonder he is in the position where he is today. Congratulations, Javier.
All right, everybody, as we wrap up this episode of What You Say in English, let's reflect on some key takeaways from our analysis of Javier Bardem's English. Firstly, Bardem's journey with English is a testament, in my opinion, to the power of immersion in practice. His English skills have evolved significantly over the years, demonstrating that language learning is a journey and progress is made step by step. Secondly, Bardem's use of English, while not perfect, is effective and, and engaging. He makes minor grammatical mistakes and vocabulary errors, but these do not hinder his ability to communicate complex thoughts and emotions. This reminds us that perfection is not the goal in language learning. Communication is. Thirdly, Bardem's storytelling skills highlight the importance of understanding and using discourse norms in English. His ability to structure his anecdotes, use of discourse markers, and change his intonation for asides makes his storytelling engaging and relatable. Finally, Bardem's use of humor and personality in his English communication is a reminder that language is not just about grammar and vocabulary. It's also about expressing our unique personality and connecting with others. So, whether you're a beginner or advanced English learner, I hope Bardem's journey inspires you to keep practicing, keep improving, and most importantly, keep using English to express your unique self. That's all for today's episode of What You Say in English. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to exploring more fascinating aspects of the English language learning with you all in our next episode. And just as a reminder, we're getting close to the end of the season for this year. And I'm going to take a break. Unfortunately, I'm not going to do like I did last year. I will still keep active on TikTok if you want to continue following me. I think it's a great outlet for short clips and short ideas. The mini casts that I did last year were incredible. And I got a lot of positive feedback from them. But I think I will continue that on TikTok. I think it's a great platform, which I can not only use my voice, but I can also use my visuals, which I think it's going to be a lot more productive for you. Also, because I am going through changes, not nothing serious, of course, but I'm basically changing my residence. I'm still living in Madrid, but I'm changing houses and it's going to be it's going to keep me quite busy. So I'm tr just trying to make room of all the things that I have and prepare for a new season in the following year, the following school year. It's still going to be 2023, but it's going to be, academically speaking, it's going to be starting in September. So I will try to start as soon as possible, right after the summer holidays. And of course, I will be with you all. So remember that apart from following me here on my podcast, you can also follow me on and, and share it with everybody else. I think it's the material that I produce on TikTok is quite varied and it's not only related to exam preparation as today's episode which was basically analyzing the speaking skills of someone who's a non-native speaker of english i still have a couple of more episodes to finish this and i have at least one person who's going to be amazing hopefully she will be joining me for next episode and i think you're going to get a lot of takeaways from her so thank you very much and until next week bye bye mm -hmm.